0: Have you ever been to a second line? Oh, yes, indeed.
1: From NPR Music, this is All Songs Considered. I'm Julie Hyde, NPR Music contributor and editorial director of WNXP. When Dawn Richard dropped her album Second Line and electro Revival at the end of April, we couldn't dance to it in a club, so we celebrated the occasion with a live listening party and NPR Music's YouTube channel, Glow Sticks Optional. We started at the top and let the booming, briskly syncopated beats, bold, otherworldly vocal manipulations, and high-concept narrative transport us through all 16 tracks. Then we unpacked it, and we're sharing that conversation here. When I say we, I I Emmy mean Richard herself, her mom Debbie Richard, a former dance instructor whose speaking voice appears across the album, and me, the host. We talked about how Don's approach to electronic dance music is as rooted in the culture of New Orleans as it is futuristic and how her desire to understand who her mom is, how she's insisted on being herself, gone after what she wants, and lived her commitment to her community, made her realize how much her mom has influenced her and this new album. The two of them had never done any sort of interview together before this, and they really let us in. Since we're dropping this podcast into your feed on Mother's Day, we're letting mom have the first word here.
0: As a little child, she's always been this free spirit, always. No matter what, if I said, this crayon is red, <laughs> she would say, no, mommy, that's blue. And she knew it was red. <laughs> How can you argue with that,
1: though? <laughs> you
0: know, so I knew what my child was. She always said, you don't get me, mom. I do get you. I know who you are. I, you know, I brought you here. Come I know on. who you are. You know, and I did know who she was. I just wanted her to see everything else. Mm. Because if you know who you are and you see everything else, then you can really become better. Mm. You know, what is your place here? You know, I'm not like everybody else. But I have a place, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: It is my understanding, Debbie, that you did not necessarily know you were on this album until you heard. I mean, you didn't know your voice I was literally know. on on this album. So, you know, yes. I'm not I'm not going to try and get I'm you sorry, to be on each other or do any gossiping or anything like that. No, you know, we would love to hear each of your perspectives on what kinds of conversations you were having. That you know that sound came from and what role you each see Debbie playing on on the album yeah it's, that's funny sorry mom
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I said second line in this album was New Orleans people were expecting it to sound sonically right like it what they don't understand is my mom speaking just her in that that journey that's the story that's New Orleans
0: where are you from originally New Iberia Louisiana and when did you go to New Orleans When I was two years old, my mom and dad moved to New Orleans. Huh. So I'm a Creole girl.
2: I'm a Creole girl. When I wanted to bring New Orleans to the forefront, it's through the people. It's through the heritage. Not necessarily through a brass band, but the the, the story of, of New Orleans is us how we've survived. And when I got stuck in the pandemic, I was coming home to help my mom. She got a knee replacement and I wanted to help her be an at-home nurse. So I just was going to stay for a while. Uh, and I came here and then the pandemic happened. I got stuck with mom and dad and we being here, man. You're stuck with through.
1: them. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they are their own grown people and I am now a grown person. So it was, it was tedious at times. <laughs> tedious at times. Um, but it was also really great it forced my mom and I to have conversations. And what I was realizing was I didn't know my mom other than her being a mother and a teacher. My mom was a person first. She was a right. young, right? A woman first, a woman first, a black woman first. And I started asking her questions about her past. My mom has been through severe trauma, severe trauma. And yet she walks as if she has none at all. She moves like as if it didn't it didn't phase her. And I always thought that that was powerful. And it defined what King Creole, what, I can't be a king if I wasn't raised by one. And I just felt like my mom moved in a way I would hear her stories. When I asked her about my dad and I was like, how many, how, how many times have you ever been in love? And she was, it was so matter of fact, your dad. And to be that type of person, to fight for that kind of life for your kids, to show your kids a specific type of love resonates to me. And that is a very New Orleans, that is a very Cajun girl, New Thank Louisiana, you. very Southern mentality to have um but so my my perspective was oh these is gems let me pick these up real fast She don't gotta know then we just start recording real fast because <laughs> I
1: mean, did she did she know you were even recording yes. some, someone yes, she, asked i came
0: to her but she thought it was just a cute little interview i didn't know she had the phone on i really didn't i, I we were just talking and I but was I just, asked you to. I asked yeah, you if we did. could. I said, "Can I ask? You? Yeah, okay." I didn't just like. I didn't
2: like, know you was gonna put I, it
1: I, I on the album. You're right. I. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm interested in in hearing you talk about Debbie about you know how when you heard the final product, when you heard the test pressing, you know, like what did you think about the role that you play as narrator on it? And I mean, both of you too, how has sharing this story in the form of the album kind of, you know, changed the way that you, that you see it, the way that you see, you know, what you've passed down one generation to the next? Remember, I was a former teacher. So you
0: understand that everything is a teachable moment. Yeah, No matter what, in her life always, she didn't. they didn't know and they always said, you want us to be perfect. No, I don't want you to be perfect. I want you to be knowledgeable. That's what I want you to be. That's a different thing. And that goes for all the kids I've ever taught. I wanted them to know what life is so that they're able to function in it in a capacity that they may not have even seen. You know, and as you grow older, you understand when you're little, you think that mommy's being mean and that kind of thing. But you don't understand that it's for a purpose. And it was always for a purpose. That's who I am. And I couldn't take that away, you know. And when we talk, you know, she very seldom asks me, you know, mom, how do you feel about X, Y, Z? Because they think they know me so well. (laughs) Right? I, I do not think I know you know
2: yeah, yeah. I don't. I actually, I think when I chose to do this album, I genuinely wanted to know who you were. I, that was the point, right? I think for me, especially as a Black woman, I, I wanted to know my mom beyond a, a mom.
0: How many and times have you been in love? One time. One time, your father. That's the only time I've ever been in love.
2: Because I felt like she lived for us, you know, and most parents do. Right. But as you get older, you start to realize that the journey you have is influenced by what you've learned. Right. And I always thought, like, how did I survive this industry? And then I, I start to ask, well, mom, what did, what was your journey like? And then I started to see, oh, that's why, because you were this Tenacious being yourself. Right. And, and so that was me asking my moms, like, if I'm going to talk about New Orleans, I have to talk about what was raised in it. She was raised from Cajun country. She was, a, you know, she was raised by the Creole woman and, and and then to come to New Orleans and she was raised in this New Orleans thing. And and she's had to figure out her journey. And I think even though I wasn't, you know, I didn't record it right. She didn't know she was going to be on an album. I think. <laughs> it was a gift that I wanted to give to my mom because I really want her to understand like, and not just her, but all black women, especially in times where we are super underappreciated that you are appreciated and your, your, your story and your roots created trees. So like, to me, I cannot tell a story about why I call myself a King if I don't know who my mom is, like who she is. As a, and what I found, I loved what I found. The more I learned about her as a younger person, I fell in love with her story and realized I wouldn't be this woman if it wasn't for
1: the woman she had to be. That's powerful. And that goes for everyone. You know? Wanting to get to see your mom, to know her as a multifaceted human being. You yeah. Know?
2: Yeah. Because we as women sometimes well, not even women. I think this is people. We tend to put labels and we only see the depth of that person in one one form. And I always feel like there's multiple layers, especially when you get older, you know, you lose yourself in your process. And then people forget you were once a kid. <laughs> you were once you were once, you know, that same story. And so uh, for me, it, if I was going to have a narrator, uh, I didn't want it to be so cliche. Like, I'm just going to say it's going to be a, a strict old to New Orleans. I wanted to show New Orleans as King Creole, as a woman, as my mom. The root of it is the story of how we survived.
1: I mean, you created such a vivid and multifaceted protagonist in King Creole, you know, and it's just so striking to me that you created this persona that encapsulates parts of your story, parts of your autobiography, but it's also you know, elastic enough and expansive enough that you can imagine it into the future and, and that piece of it. And you can also make it big enough to encapsulate your mom's influence of what she taught you about strength, you know? And I yes. wonder, Debbie, what is it like seeing her grab onto pieces of your story and, and reflect them through her work like that?
0: It makes my heart laugh, really, and cry because I cry when I'm happy. But I told her, she has made me so proud. Oh, I cannot even, Aww. you know how you wanna make your children better and better. And then when you look at them and you see, oh my God, I have lived to see this. You, you know, did, you did it. some people don't live to see their children grow up, you know, it is awesome. And I've lived to see many children grow up, not just my two beautiful children. But all the children that I have given something to, even if it's a little piece of when they come up to me, like I was telling you, that is a gift that God gave me to see that, you know. And so I am so proud of her. And she is giving back. She is a teacher in her own right. No, she doesn't have the degree, but she had Frank and I. And therefore, and my mother and all the other people. Mm -hmm. Oh, her grandmother, her great great grandmother. Great-great-grandmother. Was really, yeah, my mom's mom was
2: sort of, like was real. We were real. we were all close. Yes, you damn. know she
0: had all of these generals and kings yeah. and queens. We mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. called her the general. We did because she knew everything that that encompassed our family. So I'm take I took the reign, and I tell her, and I told her recently, I said, "You're gonna take the reign too, baby." You're going to be the one to take the rain after mom leaves. And that's something, that's a heritage. When people say, what well, do you want to leave? That's New Orleans. A thing that I believe is real is
2: that women have always been told, right, that they live for their children, their, their, their families. But you are so much more than that. And so I know that I'm your legacy. We, you, you and dad did so good that my brother and I never questioned it. But I wanted to know what the legacy was beyond us. The woman in you that before you met us, what was your dreams and what do you still hold true to you as a black woman beyond your family? Because that's a given. You've, You've done it in your way. And I know what it is. It's teaching.
0: A second line is a dance where everybody is happy and they're doing how they feel. They don't necessarily have any set steps to do. Mm. They're just getting down.
2: Oh, this feel good.
1: Turn me up. High hats. are you know now 8 or 9 years into the independent phase of your career of you know really doing it all <laughs> and giving so much attention to every facet of the production the sequencing the choreography the visuals the songwriting the hooks the you know the the overall narrative and how it holds together and those are all things that you're giving attention to could you let us in on what it has taken for you, what kind of, you know, emotional, mental energy you have put into claiming your space in electronic music as a Southern Black woman visionary, you know, and and making sure that you make clear and assert, you know, yes, I am the mind behind all of these things. You know, yes, I am producing all of that.
2: I try to do every project with intention. It was important for me, especially because I felt like it was on me to believe in myself enough to for that to be enough. I had to believe in myself so hard that, that it had to be enough. And and it taught me that if you only get one shot, you better make that bad boy count. And so every time I had an opportunity to create an album, it was with purpose and diligence. And I really believe that as a consumer, because as a musician, music, m- music saved me. I feel like it is important that if people are buying your art, that you give them every ounce of yourself because that is healing for them. Right. We are of service. And I I really believe that art is that if you put that amount of detail, what you put that energy into, people receive that. I thought it was important. Every project that I put out, every message that I told was with purpose. Um, It is just draining. It is very, very hard. yeah and, it, and it, it takes a lot out of you because you have to be twice as great, twice as smart with your finances, twice you don't love life as, a, as an idea. you don't have a personal life. You have to, you have to be ahead of every other thing to make sure that that meticulousness delivers something that can heal, even though it is difficult. It is so rewarding because then you get a movement because I don't call them fans, you get a movement of other creators who are just as passionate. Yeah. And so that you get a group of people who come to your shows and they are themselves just as magnificent. And like you get to share on that, that dynamic. So now the art that you're putting out, you're gathering a movement that is receiving it and understanding it based off of who they are. Um, it pays it forward for the hard times that it is to be that meticulous, the production, the art design, the drawing, the illustration, the collaborations that you do to sync yourself, to try to figure it out. And also all while telling people you know you're black and you're a woman, and that should be enough. But because you're black and you're a woman, you don't fit in this box. So you have to then break ceilings on top of that, and it becomes a bit of a juggle.
1: You do it with a lot of grace and finesse and agility, I so I it, it doesn't look like it. This I feel like this though. I do like that's how I
2: feel most days. It's like my God, it's so much. But then there are great days.
1: I hope that this will truly and completely be a moment where, I mean, you are appreciated for the, the artists that you are and all the facets of what you do, you know. And it seems like a really unique thing that it is that it's something you get to share with your mom in this way as, yeah. you know, that she is part of the narrative. Yeah,
2: she is. She's part of it. And this heals us. My mom and I need this, too. Like, this is a conversation for us to know we have this connection and that it'll never break. I think sometimes it's important for us, you know, again, to tell each other, remind them through action and through words the importance of the other in in their lives. And, you know, my mom always has been the dancer and my dad, the musician. Right. And there's always been this feeling that my dad has influenced the music. I started dancing first. There would be no way that I would hear music the way I do if it wasn't for the journey my mom was. You know, this was a really fun opportunity because I played with Caden so much in this project. The dance was so important. Right. You know, my mom wouldn't count in dance. She tap, (laughs) tap, tap. It was never like if you went to my mom's dance school, we didn't deal in counts. We dealt we dealt in staccato. It was, you know, tat, tat, mm. That's how she talks. she's kind of
1: syncopation, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> while I was the
2: top dancer. The way she communicated with, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And it's so funny, because that's, it's hearing. That so is she,
1: musical. That is yeah, musical. It, yeah, we all of it is it fun. It's, it's just yeah,
2: and, and, and if you go to a dance class, too, you'll hear, that's so familiar and such a real thing. And then my mom being a majorette, you know, and then having Busted on Me, the music video is very yeah. reminiscent of the majorette. Yeah, it is. Yeah again it's cool because she thinks she never maybe would have thought would have been the influence it's dripping all throughout this album. You know, like those, those, those things are she is the connoisseur of it. So it's cool to let her see that she's the grand marshal at the parade. <laughs> <laughs> that is
1: that's a that's a very appropriate way of yeah. putting it. It ties <laughs> it back to the second yeah. line metaphor. That yes. <laughs> well she's done. She's I like Marshall. I like what you did there. Yeah, I
2: think... <laughs> she's the grand marshal. She's leading this parade. She's always been leading it. She's always been leading it. And it is fitting because I think it's ironic but also real that my grandmother was called the general which is a very masculine uh, yeah, title even sure. when I was a baby that's what she was so it would not be surprising that I would then call myself a king because I always have felt that the women in my family sure. are just they're just that it's cool to share with my mom I think it's a it's a and during a pandemic too where people can't touch each other uh, I was blessed enough to be able to be Stuck, if you will, (laughs) you know stuck. But you know, I I thought it was a blessing because I got to learn my parents a little bit better.
1: To me, you're you're kind of bearing testimony to agency. What agency looks like Mm -hmm. for you as an artist, and what it has also looked like for your mom in her art and her work. I think one of the biggest moments for me
2: that transitioned my view of my mom. I always wondered when Katrina happened. My mom had her dances. She loved, they were in their 50s. They had worked so hard. We were finally in like our two-story house. Like they worked so hard. They came from nothing. And they lost it in one day. And i never forget how my mom's face was. And I always wanted to know, like, what was that for you? For someone who has always been put together, I couldn't have imagined how that would have felt to know that you have no home and no
0: dancing school. Well, I had high blood pressure after that. I was a nervous wreck. Yeah. They did not see it, but it you was never showed. She
2: never showed it to us.
0: It was inward. I had lost something that I had been working for. I, I had a dancing school 45 years, just as much as teaching. And um, then I had lost my home. It was just everything. I had decisions to make about retiring in New Orleans and then where to go. And my son, because he went to Johns Hopkins University, we went to Baltimore. It's so the only person living, that was the only relative that had not lived in New Orleans. Our entire family, family was lost. Just, everything. Yes, everything, yeah. But you you picked it up. You went to Baltimore and then? I got a, I got a job in a day. And uh, I worked wow. 11 years in Baltimore and I retired there. So I retired here and there. God, God is it was good. wild
2: to see that. Right. To know that type of strength, because like you to imagine that you know, your parents pretend like most most times they got it. Right. And then they are homeless and you homeless. And now you you're a kid and you're looking at your parents and they're looking at their children like that was the wildest thing. Because my parents had always had it together. And though they never slipped, it never felt chaotic. I could see it in their eyes. I could see it. I never knew power and resilient. And that New Orleans thing that I'm talking about, I never knew that kind of survivalist until I saw them pick themselves up and us with it.
1: You have illustrated that even musically, like you were saying with the two halves of the album, the android and human halves of King Creole as a personage and the kind of regimented, sleek, strength of the first half and then the, the vulnerability that ebbs and flows and cries out and yeah. shows the human half and the second half. And I happen to think the second line would sound dope on the turntable. So
0: that yeah. is my recommendation. It,
1: it is on vinyl. And it has been such a pleasure and a privilege to have both of you here thank with us, Don. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Welcome
0: back. Now you hear <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> coming back to me. Like-